Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join today. He's a speaker, former NFL coach, podcast host, and author. It's Evan Burke. How are you doing today, Evan? Alex, I'm doing awesome today and looking forward to chatting with you. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about a little bit about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Well, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and uh, during a time where the Dallas Cowboys were actually a good football team and, uh, you know, always involved in sports from very young age, obviously was watching those sports teams in the local Dallas area. Um, And that probably kind of was the start of my love for football and um, was always involved in all different sports, uh, just like anybody would be at a young age. Uh, When I went to high school, I was playing football and I also wrestled and uh, I was captain of both of my teams my senior year. I I wouldn't necessarily say I was like an all-star or all-city or anything like that, Uh, but I was definitely, I I viewed myself as a leader and I always really gravitated towards the leadership aspect of sports uh, and and just really kind of like viewed uh, uh, a lot of the world that way, right? Like that was the, the lens through which... Um, I, I saw things and so loved sports, but wasn't good enough to get recruited to go play in college and uh, ended up attending the University of Colorado as a student. I went there to study business and I was in the business school and I would probably say uh, in my second year, I was kind of going through classes. I was starting to really think about, okay, so if I continue on this track, I'm going to be working in a corporate environment here in about you know, 24, yeah. 36 months is this really what I want to do? And when I had gotten to Boulder, uh, I had actually started uh, coaching youth sports teams um, through the local YMCA, just uh, football or excuse me, soccer, uh, basketball mainly, but I just had like a, a host of different teams was really enjoyable. And it kind of just kind of started the itch for me on, well, I wonder what this would look like as a career. And Shortly thereafter, I started um, coaching a fourth grade football team, uh, which kind of like led me to my first football coaching experience while I was still a student at the University of Colorado. You mentioned growing up in Dallas. Was it hard to not cheer for any other team besides the Dallas known teams? Good question, because actually my favorite team was the Denver Broncos and my favorite player, my favorite player was John Elway. Uh, Now, I still was rooting for the Cowboys. I still, (laughs) you know, I still won uh, Troy Aikman throwing touchdown passes to Michael Irvin. Uh, But for for whatever reason, that just kind of became my team uh, was the Denver Broncos. And, uh, you know, John Elway was my favorite player. So was always really involved with just kind of like following the league. Uh, And, um, you know, there is obviously, (laughs) if you're here in Dallas, Football is an extremely important thing. Uh, A lot of people say that it's just like a religion and it's (laughs) probably more fierce uh, in in terms of how people treat it and and the importance that it has in people's lives. And that goes from high school football to college to to the Cowboys. Um, And I think that was one of the things that struck me when I went to Colorado. and, And after that fourth grade football season, I coached the next year at a high school. It's a very different environment coaching anywhere else in America uh, if it's not Texas. And there are a couple places, right? Like I'm sure Ohio and Pennsylvania in terms of high school football and probably a couple of others rival what Texas brings, but there is nothing uh, like high school football and the importance that it has in the community. 
Uh, and so uh, to answer your question long-windedly, I did have another team that I rooted for, but uh, as I'm kind of outlying, football is a very particular thing in Texas. And so you don't want to be wearing, uh, you know, your allegiances that aren't the Cowboys yeah. too proudly on your sleeve growing up. Well, football in general in Texas is such a huge thing. I mean, you even see the peewee football with Friday night tykes. I almost said Friday Night Lights, which is a different show. But even that just shows how at a young age, these kids are just getting involved. And you mentioned how you found a passion for other players outside of the Cowboys. Growing up in St. Louis, we had the Rams. But as that story involves, but I fell in love with John Elway and I even did presentations and things like that on him. So I think even finding those players outside that just captivates an audience, even for other sports, for me, baseball, I was a Yankees fan. Derek Jeter was a huge inspiration. You just find these athletes that just connect. Was that something that you found where you're finding football players or any athletes and you were able to connect with them on as a fan to them as a player? You know, I think like right now, uh, it's a lot easier because social media gives you like an insight even though that might be a curated insight and I know a lot of these like big time athletes have photographers and probably you know a a team of social media people that that manage a lot of what we see but you get a chance to kind of get to know them whether it's them cooking or maybe them traveling or maybe their wife or kids or just them out in the community you don't really get to see that growing up uh, in the mid nineties. Um, and, and so I think like, you know, it's really interesting. I read the paper every single day, like the sports day specifically, right. It was like a, you know, young 10 year old. Um, there's like uh, a bunch of pictures of me, like sitting at the breakfast table, reading a paper. And I did that every single day. I loved that. Uh, So I was definitely like keeping up with how everybody's stats were, who the good teams were, who the bad teams were. uh, And, uh, you know, that was kind of a habit that I've kept up uh, up until even now. Um, You know, I'm a voracious reader and always just kind of like looking uh, to to keep up with, uh, you know, my interests. And so I, I don't know if it was necessarily that players connected with me other than like, I just know I love Emmett Smith because I think he's the best player in the league, Um, but generally kind of gravitate to those guys that are, that are good guys and, and also good football players. You mentioned football and wrestling as two sports that you played and which both have that kind of physical dominance in that kind of sport. Was that something that you were drawn to, or was it just the, what it involved as a sport? I think what it involved as a sport, you know, football, like I said, is is really important here in Texas and, and playing high school football in Texas, even though I went to a small school, was was awesome. I mean, like the juice on a Friday night in a high school football stadium is is incredible. Right. Especially as a young 17, yeah. 18 year old. And I had the good fortune to be on some good teams and I, I wanted to play, but it wasn't necessarily, I mean, you can't really tell probably through zoom, but I'm not like a physically intimidating person. <laughs> uh, you know, I was not necessarily, um, y- you know, laying guys out or anything like that, but I did really enjoy the team aspect of the sport. And I loved the sport of football. Like I loved the sport and, and I knew so much about it. Uh, wrestling was a little bit of a different journey. I always played basketball growing up. I had some rather sour basketball experiences in middle school. Um, just like 
you know, uh, didn't really necessarily agree with a coach or just kind of like created what I look back on as a coach as like mm-hmm. unnecessary misery for the team and, and the players involved. And it kind of soured me on a sport that I love basketball. And that kind of led me to wrestling and wrestling was the, the hardest thing I've ever done. And it was the best thing I've ever done, uh, particularly because wrestling taught me so much about what it takes to be successful, not only in sport, but in life. And, and wrestling is a little different too, right? Like you mentioned the physical toughness aspect, uh, but it's really the, the mental yep. toughness aspect to it. And the mentality that you have to have to, Honestly, as a, as a young 14 year old show up to practice every day. And I can remember as a freshman, uh, and, and I'll just say that the, the wrestling program I wrestled in, in high school was one of the best in the state of Texas. Uh, so we were coached by one of the best coaches in the state of Texas. And I was surrounded by great wrestlers And my freshman year is my first year wrestling. So I literally just got, you know, the crap beat out of me every day <laughs> of practice but it was like showing up, you know, we practiced yeah. on Thanksgiving morning. We practiced on Christmas day. We practiced on new year's day. And like, that was how we did things. And it was not questioned. And it was just like, you show up now as a freshman, I'm just trying to get there. I'm just showing yeah. up so I can get beat up that day by the juniors and seniors that are wrestling. Um, but I, I think like, I look back and, and how instrumental those lessons were and just kind of like laying a foundation for me, uh, for for everything, right? Just for like understanding the hard work, the mentality, the consistency that's needed to have success in anything. So not necessarily the toughness aspect, um, but I, I just happened to end up in those sports and, and really glad I did. What position did you play in football? So because I went to a smaller school, I played quarterback and defensive tackle. Not really something you can do if you go to Allen High School or um, DeSoto High School here in Dallas. Uh, You can't really do that, probably. Um, But if you go to a small private school here in Dallas, uh, you can get away with playing defensive line and quarterback. Looking at your time as an athlete, what's the biggest thing it taught you about yourself? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say like one thing. Again, I think that when I look at it, I think it's the, I was kind of referencing mindset and I didn't realize this at the time, but I think it was growth mindset. It was understanding that, you know, I'm sure like you talk about a ton on your podcast, like it's going to take time to have success. It's Mm -hmm. not a linear path to the top of the mountain. You're going to have setbacks. It's not going to be easy. And like the path to success um, is, is that resiliency and that consistency to stay on the path, to be quite honest. And if you have that and you can develop that at a young age, it can really serve you in anything that you do. So I think when I think back, there's a ton of things I learned, right? Like in terms of communicating and leading and, and mistakes I made leading teams as a captain and um, what it means to come together as a team. I didn't understand all that when I was 17, 18 years old, but I think understanding to go from never having wrestled uh, competitively as a freshman to um, having an opportunity to wrestle for the state championship my senior year, like I'd love to point to myself and say that was because of my talent. I'm fully aware that it had nothing to do with my talent. It had to do with me showing up every day in combination with being part of a, 
of a great program that was run by a great leader in coach Rick Ortega. So I, I just think like that process to having success from starting from the bottom is something that I learned in sports and was mirrored throughout my coaching career. I think it's great that you mentioned that because a lot of people that are listening to this can take that same concept of growth and looking at to what they're involved in from their dream job to if they're starting their own company, people think that, oh, I'm just going to magically get all the millions of dollars right away. No, you got to start from the bottom and grow. And that is where it teaches you a lot about journey and finding that success because if it was that easy, is it worth it? I mean, yes, you get to live the life you want, but to me, I like to be challenged. I mean, that's why I named the show Rise to the Challenge. I think you learn so much by going on that challenge, that journey, especially like an obstacle course. You got to challenge yourself to get through each obstacle. Uh, I mean, I 100% very well said. And I, I just think that you know, so much of life is about that, is about just continuing to show up Obviously, certain circumstances, like, you know, it becomes more difficult than others, right? Um, We're we're specifically talking about my sports journey here, but it it was a great lesson and kind of mirrored or, or maybe foreshadowed the path to come. Coaching has played a big part in your career and journey. Talk about that path, even after you started with that local area, but even getting into college and even getting to the NFL as a coach. Yeah, so my journey is definitely one that is unconventional. And the typical college or pro coach is either a former college player, typically Mm -hmm. high-level college player, or a professional player, uh, or they are the son of a NFL coach or an NFL executive or a high-level college coach. That is the typical path to being a high-level coach in football. And there's not very many people that start from the very bottom and kind of like grind their way to the top uh, like I did. And that was, you know, early on, like I mentioned, I was 20, 21 years old at the University of Colorado. I just had this idea that like, I think I want to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I, I really like coaching these fourth grade basketball teams I'm doing, but I think the sport I want to invest in is football. It's mm-hmm. the sport I love. And I don't know where to start. Like, I don't, you know, I had this, I didn't even know I could like walk up to the university of Colorado football office and just like ask to volunteer. But I just was like, Oh, I just need a team to coach. Okay. So I'll just go coach a fourth grade team at the local rec center. And uh, from fourth grade football, I ended up coaching at a high school, uh, Fairview high school in Boulder. Uh, and after I graduated, I got on at SMU. And so that kind of began my college and pro coaching career. And like I said, just not a, not a conventional path to the, to the top of the mountain, but from, from SMU, I started as an ops volunteer, uh, which meant that I was doing bed checks when we went on the road, I was (laughs) monitoring study hall. Uh, I was passing out Chick-fil-A's as guys got on the bus, all of the glamorous things that you imagine when you want to be a college football coach and you get your first college job and was very fortunate, like was able to build on every experience I had at SMU uh, coach on the field while I was there. Um, I ended up getting a job in the NFL with the Miami dolphins. And from there, 
Uh, I went to McMurray, which is a school out in West Texas and Abilene, uh, where I was the recruiting coordinator and special teams coordinator and receivers coach. And then after that, I, I spent two years at UCLA and was, was just really blessed with the places I, that I was at. I got to coach at every level in football uh, throughout my career. And um, I'll, I'll share with you kind of like the reason I left in a little bit, but uh, was just really, really um, fortunate to be around some great coaches and, and see some things. I mean, I experienced a lot of my career. I experienced one in 11 seasons. I experienced culture turnarounds. I experienced, a, um, um, you know, an experience in the NFL. Uh, I just had an, an unbelievable coaching career while I was in football that lasted 12 years. Looking at each position that you got the opportunity to be a part of, do you think you gained a lot of knowledge so that when you went to the next level, you had a little bit of insight in what you could bring to that next level? Or did you have to adapt completely? Because if going from college to NFL, it's completely a different atmosphere for someone that's not in football, but you had the advantage of being the athlete, being that coach. So you had a little bit more insight and knowledge. Yeah. So you do bring like a baseline knowledge of either football or, or what a job might entail. Uh, but I think at adaptability is, is a huge key to, to sustaining success in, in anything, but in coaching in particular, right? Especially when you're a young coach, because you don't really know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I started at SMU, you know, again, I'm 22, 23 years old. They're, they're telling me, hey, you're going to be up here every day. You're going to be working with the coaches. You're going to be passing out Chick-fil-A's. I think that's awesome, but I don't know what it's like to grind 80 hours a week, right? But I do know like what, it, like, what it's like to put a vision into your mind and then like commit to doing what is needed to achieve that goal or achieve that vision. So just like in wrestling where, you know, I, I was a nobody my freshman year, I was literally like, you know, just a wrestling dummy. Like I kind of took that attitude when I went into coaching where I was like, I just want to be a part of this. Um, and I like, didn't ask questions, you know, in wrestling, it's like, Hey, show up here on Thanksgiving day, Christmas day, new year's day. It's like, okay, that's what you do. Like, I don't know. I'm just learning. And it was kind of like the same way when I started SMU was like, oh, this is every single day and I'm eating every meal here. Like, like there is no life outside of the football season. So that takes some getting used to. And like when you go from college to the NFL, like if I had to describe my experience in the NFL, I would describe it as intense. Like that was the one word that comes to mind. Even when I was in it, I can remember it wasn't like intense, like this is bad and it's the worst thing ever. It's just like, it is an intense environment. Yeah. Everybody is there to win a Super Bowl. And like anything that doesn't contribute to winning a Super Bowl is detracting from that effort. And you can feel it. And especially I got in there in the middle of kind of like, um, you know, they had already been there a couple of years. So there's pressure right? Like there's, if you don't win now, and we all know how the NFL is like, you could be, you could be fired. So there's an element of adaptability that you need to have going into each new role on top of, you know, learning a new, uh, maybe you're underneath an offensive or defensive coordinator. You have to learn their system. You want to coach the players that fit well in that person, that coordinator's system. Uh, Maybe you're working for a new head coach, 
and you have to learn what he likes. Maybe you're at a new school and it can be completely different. I, I was, you know, coaching at McMurray, a division three school in West Texas of maybe two, 3000 kids is a completely different experience than coaching at SMU in Dallas, Texas. That's a division one school that has 10,000 people on campus. Like those are two different experiences, just being on those campuses alone. Uh, in addition to having a new role, learning a new system, uh, you know, learning what it's going to take to be successful in that role, in that program that you're in. So I would say adaptability is kind of like the one big thing. And of course, as a young coach, you're always kind of continuing to grow and get better. And like you carry your experiences into the next experience. Um, and, and, and that goes for anybody. Uh, you are the sum of your experiences. So as long as you can have that adaptability uh, and be quick to change when needed, uh, you know, that's kind of the recipe or the baseline recipe to having success. You mentioned earlier about leaving. Talk about that experience and talk about, was it a hard decision to make? So throughout my coaching career, I kind of mentioned to you, like uh, I had a North Star uh, like I wanted to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I think my North star kind of uh, evolved. I wanted to be the head coach of the university of Colorado, like return to my alma mater and coach there. That was, that was my dream. That was my North star. And it drove everything in my coaching career. So like if I ever came to a moment of adversity or like I wasn't happy with my role or where I was right then, mm-hmm. I immediately, uh, you know, or sometimes maybe after a day or two could like flip it and say, okay, but like, this is, this is the setup to me eventually being the head coach at the university of Colorado. So that was really beneficial because not necessarily it made my life easy, but it made my life very simple. Any decision I'm going to make, am I going to take this job? Well, does this job get me closer to being the head coach at the university of Colorado? No. Okay. Well, I'm not taking that job. Yes. Okay. I'm taking that job. Um, and, and that made the life very simple. And I think that throughout my coaching career, I had never questioned that North star. I never was going to do anything else. I was a hundred percent in on being the head coach at the university of Colorado. And then, uh, my last year, this is 2015. I'm at UCLA. Uh, I'm living in Santa Monica. I work at UCLA, probably one of the best institutions on the planet, if not like one of the best places to work for if you're going to work in college. Uh, I'm working with two of the best quarterbacks of the last 25 years in college football. Like everything is set up. Everything should be great. And I had like this moment where I, I was really starting to question like why I'm not fulfilled. Like, why am I not happy? If I'm not happy now working at UCLA, having great guys to work with living in Santa Monica, like when do I get happy? When do I become fulfilled in, in 12 years when I become the head coach of the university of Colorado. And like, so in that moment, I had never experienced that before. I'd had moments of like setbacks and, you know, failures in my career. But again, like I kind of give myself a 24 hour rule. You can feel bad, uh, you know, get yourself a pizza, go hang out on the couch all night. But like when I woke up in the morning, I was like ready to go. I was probably like more fired up than I was even before whatever the setback was. But like in this moment, I could feel that it was different. Like 
and I was like, it was the last couple of weeks of the season. I was like, well, I don't want to make a rash decision and just like decide to leave. But like that feeling wasn't going away. So I think like over the course of the the last two or three weeks of that season, it was starting to get stronger and stronger. There's just this feeling of, I don't want to do this anymore. Coaching is a really difficult lifestyle. Uh, like I mentioned, like I'm not the typical football coach. I have a very unconventional path. And like, that was a fight I was fighting all the time. Like, you know, who gets the jobs when these coaches get hired? Well, it's all former players that played under that coach or all former uh, or all sons of, of former coworkers of that coach. Right. And then you start looking around and all, and this isn't just a huge, I'm stereotyping here, but like a lot of the coaches I worked with were all divorced, like all of them. And like, they had weird relationships with their kids. And, you know, you start looking at who you are going to become and all of this just kind of compounded together, kind of like made me make the decision to leave coaching. Uh, Sorry, that's a little like um, uh, all over the place, but it was just, if you can't tell, it was just a feeling of like a lot of things were kind of coming to a head all at once. And I had never felt that before. And I didn't want to just ignore that and just push through it because I'd had adversity before. And I had been able because of my strong vision, my strong North star to push through and be like stronger on the other side. Like, Oh, that's like, that's going to be a chapter in my book one day. Um, but this wasn't happening for me at the end of the 2015 season. And so I made the decision uh, to leave UCLA um, after that recruiting period was over. So I ended up leaving in February, 2016. I think it's so important that people learn why someone does it instead of just assuming things like you could, there could have been like a news report that says Evan Burke leaves UCLA, but then it doesn't give any of the details or it's made up details. And I think you had a reasoning, you had a sense of what you wanted. And if it wasn't going to happen, you were ready for that next chapter. And you have been doing that with being a podcast host, being an author and being a speaker. Talk about those opportunities. And how does that feel today being still that you're still doing it? Yeah, and and I'm still growing in it. Uh, You know, I, I, as I mentioned, I left now almost six years ago. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of jobs before I kind of had had settled into this being really kind of my calling. And again, like I, I loved sports and I loved developing people, right? Like that's what I was doing as a coach. That's what you're doing. You're developing people. You're developing the environments that people can have success in. And I always loved that. And that was like one of my favorite parts of coaching. Uh, and I think like, I still view everything that I teach through that lens of like sports, um, you know, translating into those lessons of leadership and team building and peak performance. And so, uh, speaking and coaching, uh, maybe wasn't just a natural transition, but it is a a natural evolution into the work that I was doing before. And, uh, as I mentioned, you know, something I'm still growing in and I've been really fortunate because I've had a a wide range of diverse clients. 
Uh, I've worked with startup founders. Uh, I've worked with professional esports teams. I've worked with college athletic programs. I've worked with uh, NFL coaches. Um, I, I've worked with uh, forensic science wow. uh, so, industry associations. So, like, it runs the entire spectrum. But even though you might be on a different highway, it's all of the same principles, yeah. the, the principles for success. And like I was kind of sharing earlier, like the adaptability and like the consistency that it takes to, to show up and continue to improve. Like that's the case for anybody in any walk of life or any profession. And so uh, obviously sometimes I feel at least it becomes a little more relatable when you can share a story uh, about Tom Brady or, <laughs> you know, Kobe Bryant or, or through these, um, you know, leaders that, that do such a great job of building winning cultures. And uh, as you kind of mentioned uh, at the beginning of the, sh- of the episode, uh, these people that we all look up to and admire. What is your show about? And did you ever think that I'm going to be hosting something? You talked about coaching. And to me, being a host is like being that head coach. You're in control of the show. Is this kind of not completely fulfilling that? But did you even realize that at the time? So I did not realize that. You you really become a storyteller. Uh, because I can have a lot of respect for what you're doing uh, now that I've done it for a year and a half. And, you know, I'll come in here. I'll talk about anything, Alex. What do you want to talk about? Like, right. Uh, I'll talk about the NBA finals for 30 minutes right now. <laughs> but but like your job as a host is really to kind of like help share that person's story, but also pull out the nuggets that are valuable in that person's story. So it's not just so much, uh, you know, I loved a question you asked earlier. I had kind of like, I was just trying to like wrap up my high school career in like 30 seconds. And you like went back and asked about the evolution of me as a wrestler or whatever. And those are the things where it's like, oh, I didn't, I've never even been asked that question on a podcast before. But now that I like think about it, it mirrors starting at the bottom in wrestling, just like I started at the very bottom in coaching and, and worked my way up. Uh, and, and so like, I love that aspect of it. And these are conversations that I would be having anyway. Uh, so, you, you know, my, my podcast is called the highest level podcast, and it is a sports leadership podcast, really kind of examining how championship cultures are built and what leadership excellence looks like at the highest levels. And so, uh, these are conversations I've had my whole coaching career. I, I thought I was a pretty good conversationalist and, and I could be a good podcast host. Uh, and, and honestly, these are, these are selfish episodes. Like I want to learn from the people that come on my show. Uh, and I think that I've seen that other people enjoy learning from these people as well. So um, it's really been a great mix of not only what I think are my talents, uh, but also <laughs> my, my uh, endless curiosity to learn from people uh, who have been different places and had different experiences. I always talk to people and they're like, what were you when you wanted to be grow- growing up? And I always said a game show host loved game shows. And I'm like, I can do that. Obviously I'm not in the game show world, but I'm hitting that host part. And I still fulfill that in a way. And this show, if the pandemic didn't happen, this would not be here. I think that it gave me the opportunity to kind of see what can Alex do on his own? What is something that people haven't seen him done? 
And this is what has evolved and started from the bottom and kind of hit that message throughout is starting from the ground and growing to where it is today, because I would do it over again with a different topic because it's been so much fun. And I don't view it as a work. I view it as something great because I get to meet so many great people like yourself. And if I didn't do it, wouldn't be having this opportunity right now. Yeah, hundred percent. Passion is so important in anything that you do. Uh, and I think I was telling you right before we started recording about my book, Finding Intangibles, uh, that I just published. And it's really kind of about my coaching career and kind of like how I saw the best teams that were built. And they're not built on talent. The best teams aren't. And you can win in t- with just talent yeah. uh, at the highest levels of sports. And we can all cite a, a hundred examples But the teams that truly win at the highest level and sustain success and win championships are all driven by the character on their team and actually use character as a competitive advantage. And you were talking about passion. Passion is one of the, the things that I talk about, one of the intangibles I talk about in my book. And that passion can allow you to push through so many things. Uh, and, and as you said, you don't even view it as work, you know, yeah. like you're excited, you're excited to do this, what uh, 99% of the population would view as work, it allows you to view it in a completely different frame of mind. And probably uh, you would agree, it elevates the experience of the podcast in your performance as a podcast host. Since it's been a while since you've been an athlete, do you miss that kind of environment or do you kind of still as an individual still go out and try different athletic competitions and things like that to kind of still drive you as the, the athlete you are? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you framing me as an athlete. <laughs> um, uh, and I guess like in the sense of that, I spend, uh, you know, four ish days a week at the gym, uh, trying to be at my best. I am an athlete in that respect, but I don't really view myself as an athlete. I, I view myself more as a coach. Uh, and I think that, you know, per, in particular for the environment, like there is no replicating being on a plane flying to go play the Jets on Sunday night football. Like yeah. you're not going to replicate it. You're not going to replicate running through the tunnel at the Rose Bowl. Uh, you're not going to replicate what a locker room is like after a tough win, a close win. There's no replicating that. So I personally think it's kind of a uh, fool's errand to try and replicate that. Although I know that a lot of people do. Uh, For me, that's kind of where I dive back into the work that I do and uh, kind of the things that I'm passionate about, obviously teaching through these lessons and and speaking and, and, you know, sharing people's stories on the on the podcast. Uh, But I, I do miss being part of a team that is that is a tough piece. And and in particular, you know, when you're in athletics everybody that is around you. Now you may not get along with everybody. And I certainly didn't get along (laughs) with a hundred percent of my coworkers or players, but everybody there is there. Everybody's there to win. (laughs) Like everybody pretty much is a high performer. And I was always attracted really to those high performers. And, you know, I look back at like the relationships that I still have in coaching and, uh, that is a, 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 an aspect that I really miss because I, I took a corporate job right after I left coaching 
And that was probably like the biggest thing that I noticed was, you know, at five o'clock, everybody like closes their laptop up and races out of the building. And, you know, me, I don't know. I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) where's everybody going? Come on. Like, don't, but like, you don't find that in a lot of industries. Um, And and so to, to be kind of pulling all in the same direction, that team chemistry, that team camaraderie to be in those high performance environments. And quite honestly, I thrive in those environments where I'm under an immense amount of pressure. So I welcome those environments. Those are harder to find now, um, you know, not being a part of a team like that. So I do miss that. And I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't, <laughs> but um, that is the reality of kind of like leaving the coaching profession and, and doing, doing what I do now, um, you know, with clients and kind of more uh, the, the way that I work with clients typically is more of a drop in, right? Like I might be presenting to them once a quarter, I might be coaching with somebody once a week. Um, it, it really just depends on what the setup is. Uh, but you don't get that quite uh, day-to-day interaction yeah. of being on a team. Now, this is just a fun question. If the Dallas Cowboys called you and they wanted to offer you the head coaching job, would you take it? Oh, my God, of course. Alex. <laughs> Drop I'm a, everything. I'm going to Dallas. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. Um, you know, everything that I really do, my whole career, I saw everything through the lens of a head coach. So I took copious amounts of notes that I've like such at such a high nerdy level organized digitally and physically. Um, And everything that I did was seen through the lens of running a program, whether it was an NFL team or a college program. And so a lot of the speaking and a lot of the coaching and advising that I do is kind of sharing that perspective of a head coach Uh, and like the different things that I've seen that I had kind of like saved up through my career that I was going to use one day when I became the head coach (laughs) at Colorado. And I use that now, right? It's like deploying all of these resources that I was going to use, uh, on a, on a different, um, life path that, you know, now I just kind of tailor and translate it into the corporate world and, and the worlds that I live in now. So, if they're calling, uh, I'm 100% there as the head coach. Now, I'm not going there to coach for just anybody. Um, you know, probably going to pass on that. The money would have to be really great. Um, but if they offer me the head coaching job, no question. You would save that letter or that email, that letter, and just place it on that wall. And be like, hey, I, I got this opportunity almost. Well, uh, you know, are you talking about the assistant job or the head coach? The head coach. I mean, if I got an offer to like host a TV show that I loved and I couldn't accept it for some reason, I'd place that wall saying, hey, follow that dream because you never know what can happen in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I would use it as inspiration, basically. Yeah, I understand that. I think like if you have the job, the job is the experience, right? Like, so you are having an experience um, yeah, you would want to save that piece of paper, may- maybe, <laughs> but I think like for me, I would like pour myself into that experience and I would almost maybe resist play for me personally. Yeah. I would resist placing it somewhere because like, that's already come and gone. Yeah. Like that experience has already happened. Like, how are we going to win the next game? That's what my focus needs to be. Um, but 
in the sentimental view of leaving coaching and having my man cave and wanting to display that, <laughs> display that piece of memorabilia, I might like place it in a folder somewhere for a later date and time. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, both personally and professionally? That's a good question, but I don't really view things in those terms. Um, You know, I really view things in terms of like the vision that I want to create for myself, whether it's the lifestyle I want to lead or the impact that I want to have with people. And it's always evolving. Uh, So I think it's a little bit of a personal choice for me. I, I don't really believe in goals. Um, I guess like maybe in a sense I do, but I'm very process driven and not results oriented. So I really am in a firm belief that goals can be detrimental at times. And like what you want for me personally is like a very strong North star of like where I'm headed and like, I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like I just have that undying belief and relentless uh, effort and focus on making that work. If I know what the vision is uh, now, maybe like having small goals to hit would be something, <laughs> but like, I don't look at it in terms of, I want X number of book sales. Uh, like I look at it as like, I know after writing this first book that I know I want to write another book. Uh, I know that I want to continue to educate people through the written form. And I should probably continue to not only develop my abilities in written communication, but I I should also try different avenues of written communication. Um, So like, I don't necessarily look at it as like, okay, I don't want to write two books in the next five years. I look at it as I really enjoyed that book writing process. I'm getting really good feedback of the value people are getting out of that. I would do that again. Um, And so not quite one to, to like set five year visions uh, for myself. Uh, more focused on that North Star and, and, and where I'm headed. Uh, and, you know, just to give you an answer to that um, or to answer your question, I, I think that that is always evolving. So it kind of changes uh, as I kind of, you know, have new experiences. Like I always wanted to write a book, uh, but it really just took me sitting there and saying, okay, like, I think I want to write a book now. And mm-hmm. it's the last two weeks of 2021. And I'm just going to sit down and write it. Uh, and so I, it's not really something, it was something I always looked at, but it wasn't until I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this now, uh, that I just made the decision and the commitment to get it done. So I want to continue to, to make an impact on people and just be a po- positive difference maker in the, the, the people's lives that I work with, uh, and, and in those close to me. And, and that's really kind of like where everything starts. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there's bits and pieces that come off of that in terms of writing the next book or, or speaking to, you know, X number of teams next year. Uh, but I think it all starts with being a positive difference maker in the lives uh, around me. I love that answer because that, I mean, I asked that question because everyone has their version of what that question represents to them. There's no right answer. And there's not a one answer that I'm looking for because everyone views it differently. And some people have those goals. Some people look at it differently, but it's all about what's personal for them and what they're wanting. Because if they look back at this and they want to be able to say, did I try? Did I go towards that route? Am I being accountable for what I said? Because I always view that if I say it, I want to make sure that 
I'm staying with it, but things happen. You never know what can happen nowadays. Yeah, totally, Alex. And I mean, like you were talking about your podcast a minute ago. If you sit here and you say, okay, I want, and I don't know what numbers you do. I want a hundred, <laughs> I want a hundred thousand downloads in the month of December, 2022. Okay. So now you've attached this result yeah. to, to what you are doing. Um, and the way to, to achieve that result is you need to reverse engineer, like achieving that. Right. It's not so much getting the hundred thousand. It's like, okay, so what needs to happen for you to have a hundred thousand dollars or even like 10,000, right? Like whatever that number is, if you're going to grow your base um, and let's just say you would need to get 10% more downloads. Well, you, you know, you need to reverse engineer what those behaviors are going to be. They're going to lead to a 10% jump in your numbers yeah. versus actually focusing on getting the 10% jump. Cause what happens if you don't, hit your 10% number, right? So I would make the argument that you saying, oh, I want to get 10% more downloads in December, 2022 is detrimental. What I would say is like, okay, if I was going to grow my subscriber base, what would I have to do? Well, I'd have to be super passionate about what I'm doing. Okay, maybe my guests need to have a bigger social media following. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't help you on that, by the way, Alex. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. Um, I need to have like more topical conversation. Whatever you decide, and then you go do that, then you can stay in that moment. You can stay committed to the process. Now, when you only get an 8% jump or 15% jump, it literally doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you're focused on these things that are going to lead to the results that you want rather than focusing on getting that result or not getting that result uh, and kind of like placing all of our value into that. Uh, this is more of a microcosm of like our entire society right now. And uh, maybe not the proper time to jump into that whole uh, <laughs> probably four hour podcast episode. But um, it's just my own personal belief and kind of like one that I've kind of held true uh, to myself throughout my career. So there are people that can give you their clear five-year five-year plan. Mine's more based on the, the type of impact I want to have and the type of person I want to be. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Well, I think like the first thing is, like I keep talking about my North Star, I think you need to create alignment with what it is that you want to achieve. Uh, And I think a lot of times we say like, oh yeah, you need to have vision. Uh, What you really need, vision is pointless, right? Vision is just like, oh, I want to go there. What you really need is alignment. And the way Mm -hmm. that I view alignment is you know where you want to go, but you also have a path that can get you there that is directly aligned with that vision. Right. Um, It would have been it would not have been realistic for me to leave football coaching and say, oh, well, I want to be a baseball, a major league baseball general manager in the next five years. Like that's probably not (laughs) going to happen. Um, So there needs to be like a bit of self-awareness. Uh, and a bit of just understanding what that path is going to be and aligning 
your actions to those goals or to that vision. I think the second thing is you need to create a process. What is your process every single day that's going to help you achieve that goal? Uh, you know, are, are you, what are you improving on? Like you're going to probably have to have a consistent improvement and you're going to have to show up consistently day after day. And so like, what does that look like for you and what are you focusing on? Um, obviously we're talking about having that resilience. And I think the third piece for me is, is that resilience, which a lot of times goes back to that passion, um, can, can kind of help you through those moments, uh, of, of adversity and overcome those challenges. Uh, and I think the fourth and final thing that I would mention is, is be very mindful of the people around you and get people around you that not only can help you. Yes. In terms of advice, uh, but also people that can help you in terms of support. Uh, supporting you mentally, uh, supporting you in pursuit of your goal, uh, and honestly raise the collective character of you and your entire inner circle. So um, I'm very passionate about about networking and, and keeping uh, those around you that that you that hold themselves to the high the same high standards that you hold yourself to. So uh, you are the company you keep, and and that would probably be my fourth piece. But uh, I would say alignment, process, resilience, and and people are kind of my four keys to achieving anything great and, and achieving sustained success. Well, Evan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Alex, thank you so much for having me today. This was a fun conversation. You're, you're a great guide uh, going through my story and uh, really appreciate you having me on the show. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the following episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.